when you listen to the shows, especially over the last six to nine months, are you able to get a lot of the American political references? Uh, I get probably 80% of them. So when I talk about Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton, you're able to get that? Oh, yeah, I know Hillary Clinton is, uh, is a, a senator for New York. I don't like her much. And why is that? She seems fake to me. And how is that different from her husband, Bill? Not very. Not very. Welcome to You Are the Guest, a weekly show where you can be the guest and tell people what you and your friends and neighbors think about news events and issues of the day. It's part talk show, part opinion poll, part reality show, and a whole lot of fun. And it's completely dependent upon your participation as a guest. To be considered as a guest for a future show, check out the website at www.youaretheguest.com for details. Now here's your program host, Bill Grady. Greetings from the great city of Fort Dodge, Iowa, and welcome to show number 63 of You Are the Guest, the show where we talk to everyday people just like you and me about their lives and about the issues of the day. Our guest today returns to us from Kill Care, Australia. Peter Reddy, welcome once again to You Are the Guest. G'day, Bill. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. You know, it was about, uh, about a year ago that we first talked. Exactly. I, I was thinking that just this morning. So what is new? What is going on in Australia today? Oh, the big news today is the Sheikh Halali story. I was looking, it's like it's the lead story on CNN even. Sheikh Halali is the Australian Islamic leader who has just come out and said that that women who parade around in skimpy costumes are like meat and you can't blame the cat for eating the meat. Of course, he was misunderstood. So what was he trying to say then if he was misunderstood? He was trying to say that women should be wearing the hajib and kept indoors. And how many Australian women will be willing to do that? Uh, very few. I was going to say, oh, I don't know. Wouldn't that kind of be contradictive to all the images that we know about Australia, like women walking on the beaches in bikinis? Well, this is the this is the interesting thing. It's a cultural clash because the Aussie culture is bikini and beaches as the Islamic culture is women wearing the hajib and being kept indoors. There's that cultural clash. From your perspective and Australians' perspective, do you think that a big part of the Middle Eastern conflict really also is just a rejection of Western society? Oh, yeah, very much so. It's it's I think I think uh, I think they're living in the past in like the they're thinking like we were thinking in the 15th century. Now, we've been doing a lot of political discussions on you or the gas and we weren't doing it that strongly a year ago. When you listen to the shows, especially over the last 6 to 9 months, are you able to get a lot of the American political references? Uh, I get probably 80% of them. So when I talk about Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton, you're able to get that? Oh, yeah, I know Hillary Clinton is uh, is a, a senator for New York. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah, she it, could be running for president. She probably will be. I don't like her much. And why is that? Yeah, she seems fake to me. 
And how is that different from her husband, Bill? Not very. Not very. So in other words, whatever you got with Bill Clinton for eight years, you would probably get with Hillary Clinton for four or maybe more years. I actually see Hillary as a bit more hard-faced than Bill. I think we all do. And I think that's something that she just can't help. Yeah, look, this is it's part of the it's part of the game that they it, it's showbiz. They've got to know how to perform. Does America's political landscape matter to the rest of the world? Uh, I, I would think the rest of the world would like to think it doesn't, but it certainly does have an impact. The, the American culture is so dominant. Agree or disagree, when America gets a sniffle, the rest of the world gets a cold. Yes. And, yes, that is true. And countries that or affected by that sniffle, resent America because they have to go through it in some way, shape, or form. Mm, yeah, look, I can. here's an interesting resent America story, I can tell you. I recently had an exhibition of my art in Brisbane, which is about 600 kilometers north, about 1,000 miles. So I had to drive to Brisbane uh, back and forth twice. And I've done that trip many times, but it's been like five years since I'd done it. Now, when I used to drive there, the only thing you could eat was food at roadside diners that were like petrified sandwiches and coffee <laughs> coffee that was only good for pouring down the drain. Now, there's a McDonald's every 20 minutes, which on the one hand I resent, but on the other hand I understand why there's a McDonald's there because they saw an opportunity and took it. And somebody from Australia decided to buy the franchise. Exactly. And I'm sure they pull every, all the do all the sales off the freeway, off the highway traffic now, because if you were going to choose between McDonald's and the, the lousy food at the roadside diners, well, it's obvious which one you'd choose. So are people in Australia seeing more and more Americanization of their culture? <laughs> that's been going on for the last 40 years but is it has it accelerated especially with younger generations yeah very much so very much so and is that a good thing or a bad thing oh it's a thing it's just is um here's an interest another interesting example this week i just doubled my internet speed now i can watch video online so I can watch news and programs from around the world. And I found that I could watch the television in India. So I thought, well, this would be, you know, India's exotic. And I click on, and what is it? Dancing with the Stars, Indian style. You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Dancing with the Stars, Indian style. So it's not a, the American version of the show. It is actually an Indian version of the show. Yeah, and we, we have an Australian version of the show. And it's just like, it's, mm, it, that, that sort of annoys me. Well, let's hope you never get Battle of the TV Network stars. No, but we, we have Australian Idol. <laughs> oh, boy. And let me guess, one of them is, one of the judges is a real SOB. Sure, I've never watched the show, but yes. Hmm. But what gets me is it's it's the show is a is a formula, and and people fall for it. 
you know, oh, that judge, he's a real bastard. And he kicked off Trixie, and I thought she could really sing. Don't you see that it's just a, it's a show? Yeah. Those, those people are being used. Those performers are just being manipulated and used to sell the ads, breaks between the performances. And if they always brought in a critique that was politically correct or that was, you know, we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, then that wouldn't get people talking. Exactly. Oh, yeah, we've had a good one, like we're kicking you off because you're too fat. Oh, <laughs> that one whipped up quite a controversy. Oh, really? You're too fat. Not that you yeah, can't well, sing, but you're too fat. Yeah, and that dress looks disgusting on you. And I don't like your breath. Yeah, exactly. And your check bounced. Yeah, and I hear then I hear people on talkback saying, "But I thought she was really good, and that guy, he was so lousy kicking her off." It's oh, can't you see you're being conned? So, what is the big local news story of the day in Sydney? Well, there's the Sheikh Halali story, and we uh, talked about that. We did. Then there was an interesting one, which is a follow-up from my last appearance when we were talking about the Cronulla riots. The police minister got sacked yesterday because he lied about a report into the Cronulla riots. What did he lie about? Well, he, the, the, he claimed that the, the police had done a report and he claimed that there was no report, it had not been finished. Of course, it didn't throw a particularly favourable light on the police or the government. And he just denied it, denied its existence repeatedly. And, of course, the report did actually exist. One of our most popular shows has been show number 42, which was Brad from Australia. And mm -hmm. in talking to you, you actually met the guy. You actually met Brad. Well, not only did I actually meet Brad, but he does a breakfast uh, radio show, and um, he interviewed me. So did you meet him before you heard the show, or was that afterwards? It was I met him before. He, he had actually done the show, and you had posted the show on your website, but I hadn't listened to it. I didn't realize it was him that I was going to see. So what was that like, before and after? It was good. It was a, he he did, was, did a good interview. It was, it was interesting because it was promoting an exhibition I was having at the time. Um, but when I heard the show afterwards, I actually cringed with embarrassment that people would think Australians would think like him, and some do. What really opened my eyes about it was that a liberal in Australia is the same as a real bleeding-heart liberal in America. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. They both hate Bush. They both hate Howard. They hate whoever the opposition is. Um, I don't think they hate... I don't think it's so much they hate. It's just they... They see problems and they have to blame someone. They, oh, rather than this, perhaps rather than looking at the positives, they're concentrating on the negatives and assuming that there will be utopia. And if only, if only Bush wasn't in power, utopia would be just around the corner. Is Australia more conservative or more liberal right now in, in the political landscape? I think it has always been conservative, but at the moment we have a conservative government. But the interesting thing is whether on either side of politics, they're both pretty much in the middle now. Trying to go after the middle majority. 
Yeah, pretty much. You know, I think it's probably the same with the Republicans and the Democrats. They both basically sell the same product, just one's, one's Pepsi and one's Coke. Let me ask you another political reference about how America is seen by the rest of the world. Does America have more friends than enemies? And are those friends more out of convenience or necessity? Um, I think it depends on how much business you do with the U.S. I would say more enemies. Or more false friends. Yeah. And who do you think right now is one of the biggest false friends that America has? China. And what makes you say that? Because Chinese are out to do business. Period. And good on. And, you know, whatever it takes to get that deal done, they'll do it. I agree 100%. And I think a lot of people in America can finally see it now, but they don't know what to do about it. Because of the fact that a lot of the retailers are, are really you know, married into that, that whole cheap labor and cheap products. Exactly. Uh, recently on Talkback Radio here, I heard a woman uh, complaining that her husband had lost his job because uh, the factory that manufactured fridges and washing machines had gone offshore to China. And she, but she sounded a bit kind of trailer parky when she spoke. But I felt like saying, well, it's, you know, you're the one that's for the last 30 years has been buying your made in China clothes and made in China shoes from Kmart. Of course, the jobs have gone. You helped do it. What are Australians saying today about the war in Iraq? And how has that changed over the last 12 months or from the first time that we spoke? It's interesting. It's suddenly back up on the on the radar. Um, the talk is generally... It's time to get out, but when we do that, the country is just going to collapse into civil war. But I do feel a groundswell of people are starting to think it's time to get out, even though we've had no Australian casualties. In your opinion and the opinion of your friends and your neighbours, is that the way that the country is going to proceed? Get out before uh, the end of the year or get out before... The end of no. 2007. No, I, I imagine they'll stay for at least another year. What do you think about America's running of this war? Uh, generally, it's interesting when you can look at America in conflict in hindsight. They tend to just go in John Wayne, all guns blazing. And sometimes that method doesn't work. And I think they've done the same thing in Iraq. How did the conflict between Hezbollah and Israel play out in Australia over the summer? Um, I think it was a pretty balanced view, point of view on that one, as in both, both were just as bad as one another. I, I think my solution, <laughs> people won't like this, but I think my solution is the United Nations puts a, a big stealth bomber that just permanently rotates above those countries with a couple of nuclear warheads and says, the next kid that even throws a stone, we launch. What's your thoughts about and, the UN? It's run by another place run by actors, diplomats that play, you know, a, a role. They, they're actors. Agree or disagree, one of the most corrupt international organizations we have. Um, I don't know about corrupt. I think it's just a lot of people have got all their agendas and 
they they think they're going to solve the world's problem like the like that um that team america movie where <laughs> where they say to kim il jung or whatever his name is that we're going to send you a very nasty letter you know that's really all they do kind of like the lawyer that sends you the collection letter and you know that there's no way they're going to proceed in court exactly you know Sometimes you've got to use force. I, I do agree with that. Should we be using force with North Korea? Or should sure. we keep on going this path of, we'll send you the collection letter, and <laughs> you'll you'll keep throwing it away and putting it in file 13? Well, I think they will do that, because they've got everything to gain and nothing to lose. What about Iran? Is Iran on the radar? Hmm. That's another place that's living in the 13th century. It's interesting, I was listening to something recently where they were talking about the cultural divide in Tehran. The north part of the city, it might have been, it might have been one of your guests actually, that was talk, saying that the north part of the city is quite uh, wealthy and educated and western, and the southern half, which is poor and uneducated, is where the kind of insurgence thing is happening. Peter, let's talk a little bit about gas prices. Are they going up or are they going down in Australia? Well, petrol, as we call it here, at the moment is going down, although it fluctuates. It goes up and down slightly, but generally speaking, it is going down to, to an affordable $1.15 a litre, which, <laughs> which five years ago, had you have said that, you would have fallen over with shock, but it seems quite cheap now. Now, last week, the guests and I were saying a buck ninety-five was a big deal. Now it's up another twenty-five cents in a week. Wow! And one of the big questions is how do we get these big jumps and fluctuations, and who's pulling the strings? So, what's your thoughts on that? Uh, well, it's the oil companies. Do, do you have the thing where the petrol price jumps ten cents just because it's the weekend? Oh, yeah, like Memorial Day, Fourth of July, Labor Day, School holidays. holidays. Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that funny how that just happens to happen around that time? So you see that happen where you're at as well? Oh, yeah, particularly on the weekend. Like there's the sort of Monday to Wednesday price, and then there's the Thursday to Sunday price. Do you have the supermarket docket thing where you get the, the, the reduction on petrol? The vouchers from the supermarket? No, we don't have that. We well, I, I should take that back. There are some things like, like at Walmart, for example. If you get your gas at Walmart and you do it with the Walmart card, then you get an extra penny or two cents off a gallon. And I mean, people I know they jump at that, but it's like, well, it's it's a penny and or two pennies on a gallon of gas, and then they're charging eighteen to twenty one percent if you don't pay off your balance. So, oh, no, what we have here is. Um uh, if you spend $30 at the supermarket, you'll get a, a discount voucher, which gives you $0.04 cents a litre off. And is that a big deal? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Any of those service stations, uh, people, you'll be queuing to get in. So when we talk about gasoline prices and the fluctuations, are people tired of being gouged or are they just accepting it in Australia? <sighs> Apparently, when the last price surge happened, the, the, the petrol consumption did go down. Uh, 
Uh, I, I personally, I, I find I don't just go to the supermarket, for example, just because I can. I will sort of get three chores in one trip. <clears throat> and I think that really comes down to are people conserving gas or are they just going, oh, I can't believe the gas prices are going up and just filling up their tank and not really curtailing their travel or they're consolidating their trips. Well, it's an interesting. This is another Americanism that the kind of car supermarket thing is an American concept. Once upon a time in Australia, we used to have lots of little what we call corner shops that were, you know, little grocery stores, you know, in, in scattered out throughout suburbia. But they've all died because supermarkets have put them out of business. So you need the car to drive to the supermarket to buy the 10-pound bag of potato chips or whatever. You know, it's, a, it's that big American car supermarket mentality that is driving everyone into that lifestyle. Are there a lot of SUVs around Australia? We call them four-wheel drives, yes. And are they still as popular today as they were five, six years ago? Uh, they got a lot of bad press sort of over the last few years. Uh, so I think they've maybe dropped off now. At the end of the day, when people are filling up the tank, is gasoline or petrol, as you call it, a good value or is it something that is overvalued? I actually think it's undervalued because when you compare it to other liquids like uh, a gallon of milk or a gallon of orange juice, petrol comes in quite cheap. And the thing is, petrol is a finite resource. It's eventually going to run out, but they can keep growing more oranges and keep milking more cows. Do you think there will ever be a car where it's run on milk or orange juice? <laughs> no, but it could be well run on electricity or ethanol or something like that. Or tap water. Perhaps, look, who knows where technology may take us. Perhaps, perhaps you won't need cars. I always thought by this time in my life, especially when I was a kid, that we'd all be flying around in spaceships or flying airplanes anyways. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So... Did, do you notice that the, that when we grew up in the 60s, there was this futuristic kind of uh, futuristic future, for want of a better word, that we were heading towards that they don't seem to have that now? They don't seem to have that now, but one of the things that, that I had a discussion with uh, yesterday was that if, if I could go back into time and talk to the eight-year-old Bill Grady and say... When you're 45, here's all the things that are, are going to be in your life. You're going to have a digital watch. You're going to have music on CDs. You're going to have a computer. You're going to have DVDs and all these other technical stuff. I I think that eight-year-old Bill Grady would just go nuts. He would just think that that would be the coolest thing. Yet we've had all these changes gradually. And... In a way, we really are living that futuristic society without the flying cars or whatever that and maybe the plastic we and the plastic jumpsuits. 
That's right, plastic. And what's also kind of neat is when you look back at some of the movies and some of the TV shows that were coming out, that's mm-hmm. kind of a amazing or a a window into how we thought the future was going to be. But then look at the communicators on Star Trek. We've got them. Oh, absolutely. Cell phone. Or the, or the, or the, the wrist thing that Dick Tracy had. Yeah, we've got those now. But let me ask you this. Do you think that with those communicators on Star Trek that they had, oh, I don't know, problems with communicator etiquette? <laughs> no, they'd worked all that stuff out by then. Do, do you think that Captain Kirk had, when he got the communicator, said, boy, not again. Hey, look, I got this video on my communicator. <laughs> no, because he's used to it. He's grown up with it all his life. But he never gets, I notice he's never dead, so he never drops out or he, he's never in a black spot. No, or he's never listening to podcasts on his communicator. Could be. But do you, do you remember in the 70s, there was always this talk that computers were going to take over? Yeah. They have. They have, and we've let them. I know. But They're these machine, these machines that make machines. Well, we haven't got to that point yet. Oh, yes, we do. Really? The well, think about it. All, all, all the manufacturing now is all computerized. Yeah, but so the, this, but the machines aren't making the machines who make the machines. I mean, mm-hmm. there is a human element in there. Sure, but do we really need it? I think that Wall Street has driven that for for price and and really trying to get rid of the the jobs that that either cost too much or the jobs that people don't want to do anymore. That's, I was having that very discussion with a friend of mine just the other day with the export of jobs to China, which was going back to what we were talking about before. Like, what's going to happen? Will there just be no one here working anymore? Will, will we all just be tour guides f- for rich Chinese factory owners? Well, that really looks like that's the plan, isn't it? Because we hear reports of Chinese corporate espionage, which are basically stealing patents or stealing ideas, and then they're making those products in China and then selling them back to the companies that they stole it from. Exactly. Well, I saw a doco recently about Walmart just killing American manufacturing because it was all about the dollar and getting things made in China and... You, you, you go, it's interesting, you, next time you go to a big shopping mall, just look at it in the sense of it is just a huge warehouse of Chinese goods, and it is. Everywhere you go, it's just more made in China, made in China, made in China. And another thing that I thought was interesting was I saw a news program where they had a guest that said, Walmart ought to get the Nobel Peace Prize, and their argument was that nobody in the world offers as many jobs to low-income people as Walmart. I don't see the logic. Do, do you have, do you have, uh, you have the new thing where you can get your phone number blocked from, from marketing calls, don't you? Oh yeah, we have the do not call lists. I think that's going to happen here shortly, but an interesting phenomena in Australia is that the call centers are all based in India. Well, a lot of them are here as well. 
<laughs> so you get the Indian calls as well. Yeah. But the other and, but the other thing is that we used to get a lot of the Spanish speaking telemarketers too. Okay. And the thing that always puzzled me about that was that people in America, especially what you would call your average typical Anglo-Saxon American, would get these calls from people who could barely speak English. Speak and, English. And, and why would you think that that would be a good thing to sell a product? That's not, uh, that's the that's the point I was about to make. The surely the the people that own the companies that hire the telemarketers don't realize that when someone rings up and speaks can barely speak English with a heavily heavy Indian accent, you don't want to talk to them. But they're hiring those people and investing in training those people because nobody else wants those jobs. <laughs> the, the funny thing is I find with the Indian people is they're so gullible. In you what can, way? In what way? Well, you can, well, you can ring, they ring and they say, you know, good morning, Ganavis, is this Mr. Reddy? And I say, no, 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 he won't be back in, you know, tell them some lie and they just fall for it. And is that their nature or is that just because of their inexperience? I think it's just they're just gullible. They're just not, they think that when they tell you about their exciting product, you'll actually be interested. That you could be saving, you know, two dollars a week on your telephone bill or something that you will actually go wow that's so exciting i really want to know about it they're not expecting that people are just going to hang up in their ear i noticed recently you know ice cream made in in made in china ice cream back up here chinese ice cream yeah aussie brands but made in china manufactured in china so there it's not like uh uh, rice and ripple, Shang- <laughs> like Shanghai uh. vanilla. No, it's like Aussie brands, Aussie ice cream, but actually manufactured in China. Now the cost of shipping that refrigerated and etc. etc. must be phenomenal. But the the product must cost nothing to begin with. Are you getting a lot of products that are? imported from Asia just because of your proximity to Asia? A lot more than yes. maybe the rest of the world? Yes. And it doesn't matter whether it's whether it's Kmart, Target, or really high, high-end brands. They're all made in China, probably in the same factory. Are Australian businesses having an uphill battle more than maybe some of the other countries around the world? Or, is it, yeah. or do you think it's kind of universal? I think it's universal, but things like our shoe manufacturing is completely gone. Clothing manufacturing is virtually gone. Our car industry is about to go. Um, You know, it's just one after another. This is what I mean. Eventually, when they're all gone, what are we going to do? Just sit here twiddling our thumbs. If we went back into time, for example, and had a discussion with the horse and buggy makers... And they said, what am I going to do when these horseless carriages come out and take over the world? How am I going to find a job when all I've done is made buggies and carriages all my life? And what happens was something else came along. I don't know what that something else will be, but one of the, one of the things that I know with business is that whatever we did today, some some sort of product will be obsolete, and something else, some sort of manufacturing, will take its place. But uh, but anything to do with manufacturing, you'd get it done offshore. 
it's got to be some new information or entertainment or something else, something that something you can't hold in your hand. Yeah, and, and that's probably where technology will still drive the economy. Because if you look at the industrial age, obviously we're not living like that today, and it's just all because it's technology. Mm-hmm. So, unfortunately, you're right. A lot of the manufacturing jobs will go away to these countries. But what's going to replace it? It's it's going to have to be technology. Does it worry you that once the skills are gone, then they can hold you to ransom? But I think that the skills will always evolve into something else. And there will always be something else. I don't think that the imagination of, of people, whether it be in America uh, or Australia, will ever just say, you know what, we don't have any more ideas, so I guess this is it. We'll just be stuck buying it from somebody else. I always think that we're going to reinvent ourselves. Sure, true, if, we always do. If that makes sense. No, we always do. I'm a living example of the art of reinvention. Necessity is the mother of invention, is that right? It is. It is something like that. That sounded good to me. Maybe that's a good way to leave this conversation then. Yep. Peter, it's time to play Ask Bill 3. This is where I'm going to turn the microphone over to you, and you get to ask me three questions about anything. So fire away. Mm, Okay. I've had plenty of time to think these up, too. So, Bill, do, do you see a time when religion will no longer be relevant? No, not at all. And I think that if one thing will be consistent with the world is that there will always be religion and there will always be those that will want to put their particular spin on what they think a true religion is. What are your thoughts on that? No, I think I think that we are rapidly approaching the time when religion will no longer be relevant. Now, how can you say that when we've got, for example, countries in the Middle East that are deeply religious and really affects their society and their politics? Because they're still living in the 15th century, where I see society will evolve to a point where they won't need a deity to explain things anymore. And how long do you think that will take, especially when you look at the Middle Eastern countries? I don't know, maybe a thousand years, maybe just 200 years. Now, I, I think that it will always be around, so we'll, we'll disagree on that. Yeah, that's fair enough. Okay, question number two is, would the world be the same without art? Absolutely not. Matter of fact, it wouldn't be able to prosper without it and that's because there's always been this need for humans whether it's been on cave walls or whether it's been on canvas to express art some way Mm -hmm. shape or form so somewhere someplace if you go all the way back to caveman style somebody was doing political cartoons is my guess (laughs) that's true i i see that art has something to do with when a society is doing well, that people have spare time and then they can put that spare time into creativity. If you didn't have spare time, if you, if you devoted all your hours to feeding yourself or protecting yourself, you wouldn't have time for art. So I think 
art is a sign of a successful society. Are cartoons art? Yeah, I think everything can be art. So what was your reaction when a lot of the Middle Eastern countries were upset about the <sighs> cartoons about Muhammad? Well, look, I understand their I understand their reaction, but I also think it was ridiculous. But I think it, it's something it's something to do with those people. I once saw a documentary about this guy that told a joke, and he went around to different cultures and told this same joke, and the Middle Eastern people really took it as a, you know, offensively that it was an insult. I can't remember what the joke was, but I was like, yeah, that's you know, you're degrading my mother. They wanted to punch the guy. So are they just too emotional, or are they just they just need to kind of relax? Yeah, I think they are too emotional, and they take things personally, and they don't understand the West, and probably we don't understand them either. What's question number three? Okay, well, we know that video killed the radio star, but do you think that the internet will kill the TV star? Good question. Each and every day, we are one step closer to a completely wireless internet society. And Correct. I think that the cell phones are driving that. I don't think that video will ever go away, but there will be a time possibly we'll, we'll just go back to having, instead of cable hooked up to the TV, we'll just have over-the-air antennas, but instead of picking up your local television station with an aerial, it'll be picking up internet television stations. So I, I can see that being a possibility. But the, just, just from Googling what's available to look at on the, on the computer screen, it's just endless. My choice of stuff, I can see old Dick Van Dyke shows and cartoons and news from around the world, and it's just endless. Video on demand. I love it. Peter, do you want to tell about your website and also about how people can see your art on the web? Sure. Well, the best way to do it is to Google me. That's Peter Reddy, R-E-D-D-Y. Uh, and you'll find me on the top of the Google list. Currently, you can see uh, an exhibition that I have on uh, at Bondi Junction, which is a suburb of Sydney. But very soon, and you're the first to hear this, is uh, you'll be able to download my art onto your mobile phone. Wonderful. And how do you do that? Well, I've just uh, signed a deal with a, with a company that uh, you can go to their website and uh, click on my art, and I think it's about $2, excuse me, $2.50, and you can then have images of mine on your screen of your phone. Very cool. Could be. Uh, apparently, the, I'm, I'm signed with an Australian company that has a U.S. parent, and they're talking about putting me on the U.S. site. Well, good luck. And the other neat thing about that is that our audience gets to hear about you and know about you before you became a big, big star. Apparently. Apparently. Peter, thank you so much for being a guest once again on You Are the Guest. Anytime, Bill. Anytime. If you'd like to be a guest on a future show, just go to our website at www.youaretheguest.com. Submit your first name, the town where you live, and a short description on why you'd make a good guest. 
There is no charge for being a guest, and you'll have the opportunity to share what you think and how the news and events from today affect your life. The show's producers will contact you by email if you're chosen for a future show. If you'd like to drop me a comment about this week's show, just email me at billgrady at youaretheguest.com. That takes care of this week's show from the great city of Fort Dodge, Iowa. I'm Bill Grady. Thanks for listening.